right, all right. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night service. How's everybody doing tonight? Amen. Blessed by the best. It's a good night to be in the house of the Lord together, and we're going to have a great time studying the Word and worshiping. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over our United States of America. Amen. Because we are standing in faith, believing that America is coming to Jesus, no matter what it looks like. We walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. So let's go ahead and speak these words together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. All right, you may be seated. Very good. Well, we've got a lot going on. I was just looking at the calendar this weekend, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, we are busy. All right, so let's go ahead and take a look at some of these announcements. First of all, this Friday night, we are going to be having our young adults get together, all right, for uh, those age 18 to 30, or at least if you're a high school senior, you can come. But it's going to be at 6.30 at Nick and Sabrina's house right back there, all right? Yeah. So if you need their address... Uh, you let us know and we'll get their address to you. It's very close to the church. Yeah, uh, it's it just, yeah, just walk straight out these doors and go straight about 50 yards and you'll be at their house. But anyway, uh, so uh, it's going to be uh, pizza and ice cream are provided. But I'm sure you already knew this Saturday is National Peanut Butter and Jelly Day. Did you know that? You knew that. So uh, anyway, we're going to be having apparently... Uh, pizza and ice cream, but we're asking to if you could bring peanut butter and jelly stuff for our ice cream sundaes. I don't know where this is going, but just if you're coming, then you know what it's up. You know what's going on. All right. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, men's meeting. Any men in the house? Yes. 9 a.m. Saturday, we're having our monthly men's meeting. Robert is cooking breakfast, wherever he's at. All right. Robert's cooking us some breakfast. Pastor's bringing the word to us, and it's going to be a awesome, awesome time of the men getting together and encouraging each other. And then, of course, the moment everyone's been waiting for. Hold on to your seats. It's church work day. Woo! Yeah! Whoa! Whoa. Contain the excitement. Oh, my gosh. I, I know we haven't had one of these in like a couple years, but uh, praise God. Yeah. Church work day. And what we're doing is we're going to be getting the property cleaned up and, you know, some stuff for before the Easter service because we're having the big egg hunt and whatnot. And also we're getting some fence slats put into the, the fence back there by the boxcar yard and maybe a few other odds and ends. But, you know, anybody that can come out, we we need your help. It's just going to be from 11 to 1, and we want to get as much done as we can in there. But, you know, uh, the jobs get done faster the more people that get involved, right? Yeah. And, hey, I've heard it said a church isn't your home until you help out with the chores, right? Thank you. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't see that going over real well, but, you know, it's still, we tried. Okay. Very good. So that's church work day. And then ladies, do we have any ladies in the house? 
Uh, your monthly women's meeting is going to be April 8th at 6.30. And we have our special guest, Liz Nile, is going to be here. All right. And, of course, um, her and Dana are going to be here the next uh, on Sunday, April the 10th. Uh, they are our missionaries all over the world. A lot of you have seen them many times. But they've got a lot going on, establishing Bible colleges and preaching in Vietnam, uh, Sri Lanka. I mean, I can't even name all the countries. Probably like 20 countries. They're just everywhere. And so they live in Montana, but they're coming down here with us uh, for that weekend. And it's going to be absolutely awesome. All right. And then the next thing is our Easter service is coming on the 17th. Yes. All right. Now, the invitations are available, because uh, I know everybody's inviting someone to Easter. There's no way that you wouldn't invite someone to church on Easter. I know you wouldn't do that, right? You couldn't sleep, uh, you know, at night. if you, you would just feel so, how did I not take advantage of this opportunity to let somebody know the gospel? So, anyway, since I know you're inviting people, uh, we've got about 500 of these available, and I'll print 500 more, and then another 500. However many you guys take, we're going to keep printing them, but really take advantage of this. It is a very easy way to invite someone to church to just say, hey, join us for Easter. Could you do that? Let, let's try that together. Say, hey, join us for Easter. Hey, join us for Easter. Wasn't that easy? I mean, come on. And it felt good on the inside. So it hit you right in the heart part. So check it out. Take advantage of this. They're back there. And we want to invite people because they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ that day. Because Jesus is coming soon. Who knows that tonight? Amen. All right. Very good. And then uh, the last thing that Robert wanted me to tell you is, uh, of course, if you're interested in softball, you can talk to him. But after service tonight, he needs a few good men that can help him get some tables set up uh, in Victory Hall for the men's meeting. And this is exciting news. We aren't using them for the men's meeting, but we just ordered a bunch of brand new giant round banquet tables and uh, to kind of start replacing the rectangular ones. And so this was super cool, and I'm glad that God provided the way for us to be able to start using those. But we were like, uh, I don't know, the lady said, let's not let the men use them on Saturday. We'll save them for the women's meeting. And I was like, all right, fine, whatever. You ladies can have them first. But anyway, uh, so those are in, and uh, and it's going to be super cool. All right, I think that's all the announcements we have for tonight. So who knows what time it is now? Yeah, it's happy time. And why do we call it happy time? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. All right. Pastor's going to do our Wednesday night tithes and offerings. I say glory to God. Say Jesus is good. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. Hold up your hands in an envelope for your tithes, your offerings, and open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8. Verse 12, Proverbs chapter 8, verse 12. And, and you know when I said that about uh, he's good and mercy endures forever, it reminded me of something that we experienced last week that was really, really, really awesome. Has anybody ever heard of West Point? Okay, well, we, anyway, we, we went to West Point last week and was in New York, and we toured the place. And you know, Joe being a Marine, we got to go and go to a lot of places, just had free course to go around the whole place where we wanted to. And we come to their graveyard, and they had people buried back there from the 1700s, 1800s, etc. And anyway, with no big fanfare, we found this one tombstone, told this lady's name, and I took a picture of it. Says she's the one that wrote the song "Jesus Loves Me." This I know, in the early 1800s, and just a regular, just a tombstone. 
and then beside it, it had her, her tombstone with her name on it and then her sister's name. Right there, I thought, man, this is really awesome. And then we saw so many tombstones from the early generals and people in there that said things like they, they, they were a very, very wonderful Christian man, wonderful Christian people all through the Revolutionary War. I wonder if our nation could have really been founded to be a Christian nation. Well, I think that our forefathers thought, fought, and they died for it, and they're proud to have it on their tombstones anyway. That's just anyway. It was interesting seeing all that, how much Christianity there was at that great, great, great uh, military installation. It was awesome. All right. And now talking where we are in today, Proverbs 8, verse 12 says, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Well, for the times we live in, I'm going to look at these first few words. I wisdom dwell with prudence. I wisdom dwell with prudence. And several years ago when the Lord had me teaching a financial series, he took me to this verse and broke it apart in original language. And what that says, I wisdom, if you've got wisdom about a situation, you've got a plan. Wisdom means to have a plan. Now, if you talk about God's wisdom, he says right here, I wisdom, God's wisdom, live with prudence. And that word prudence, now listen to this. This is very, very serious for where we live at in 2022. Prudence means wise in the management of practical affairs, especially business matters. God said his wisdom lives with this natural wisdom. They work hand in hand. And that, that actually that word prudence right there has a root word stratagem, which means strategy or having a plan. And so you've got God's written plan. And in God's written plan, he says, give him 10%. In God's written plan, he says, give to the poor. There's a lot of things God says that's his plan for every human being. He wants you to be tithers and givers. But then he said, I live with natural wisdom. He says, wise in the management of practical affairs. And I'm just minding my own business, take a little nap. We've been running all day, take a little nap before the service. The Lord starts saying this to me, that it might be a good time to back off on spending your money foolishly. We don't live in fear, we live in faith. But at the same time, you know, in really good times, I think about when Joseph was made the uh, associate prime, prime minister, whatever you want to call him, of Egypt, he started putting back for seven years of good times, knowing seven years of bad times were coming. And I think also in the book of Proverbs, a couple different places, it says, study the ant. said the ant puts away in the summertime, so be able to eat in the wintertime. And so what I'm saying is this, the Holy Ghost, I know, is telling the body of Christ that will listen. This is not the regular times it's been to keep on blowing money because you've got it. And I want to say it again, that's not talking about being a person that hoards up and lives in fear, but at the same time when the money comes in, don't just blow it out. You know, it might be a time to back off from theme, theme parks for a season for more than one reason. <laughs> if anybody's been seeing the news. Amen. It might be. It might be a time, it might be a time to cut back on eating out. And then here's a word if it fits, maybe you need plastic surgery. Plastic surgery, Pastor. Cut us some charge cards. Yes. 
get out the snips, do a little surgery. I'm, I'm telling you very seriously, very seriously, the Holy Spirit speaks to the body of Christ through his word and through his leaders. And this is a time we got spiritual wisdom. Be a tither. God moves on you to give. Be a giver. But then also, uh, you know, I, I do my budget different than uh, Pastor Josh teaches on Dave Ramsey's thing. He's got, he's got his budget system. I've had one that's worked for me for 50 years. I always, always, always keep a calendar of what's going on, what's going to happen in the future. I've got a couple savings accounts and things I do. But I always, always, always know on paper what's going out. And the season I'm in, I've had a couple of pretty big experiences that I've had to do. So my calendar's got nothing extra going on for a while until I get back to where I want it right there. And for sure, for sure, I'm not going to make the fast food places rich right now. I'm going to make sure that if hard times happen to come, that I'm going to be ready for it. And so for you, for you, I want to say it again. The Holy Ghost is saying this might be a good time to watch how you're spending your money. Amen? Amen. How many received that? This is for real. This is for real. There's no need. There's no need to get your financial bottom kicked and then come crying and whining six months down the road because McDonald's or whoever your favorite Starbucks is got all your money. <laughs> and so have a plan and use the plan. And years ago when I was getting delivered a charge card, probably, man, I don't know how many years ago, I wrote this big note down in my Bible, on my calendar. I said this, if cash can't buy it, I don't need it. Amen. Amen. You need you need to get you need to get delivered. Be ready now, because God's warning us this is the time. So, don't back off on tithing. Be a giver, and if God urges you to give something extra to somebody or do something that, that's Him prompting you to plant seed for your future. Amen. 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 All right, let's stand up, make our financial faith confession, and they will worship. We'll worship the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. <clears throat> As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commission, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord. Meet all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, give justice to the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, join us up here at the altar as we worship the Lord together and praise Him on tonight. Good word, Pastor.
still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed me.
raise our hands for a minute tonight. Lord, we love you, and we thank you that we can declare that you have never failed us. We praise you, Father. You are good, and your mercy endures forever. And we ask you to have your way in this house tonight, Lord. Speak to us, teach us, show us things that we need to see and understand, and make us better for your glory. We love you and praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. And as we're singing there, I'm thinking of Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I know this much. Yes, if he did it before, he will do it again. Amen. All right. Well, we better get right into the word tonight. I'm telling you that um, we've got a we're going to cover some more of our series here. So just to catch you up, if you haven't been here on some of these Wednesday nights, uh, we are doing an expository study of first Corinthians. And hasn't it been exciting? <laughs> we've seen we've really been going verse by verse through the entire book of first Corinthians. And it's been quite an uh, exciting adventure. Uh, normally, you know, I like to pick a, a message based on topic and do a topical type of sermon. But I really wanted to take a whole book of the Bible and really thoroughly cover every single bit of it. And so that's what we've been doing. And just a quick little game of catch up here is um, Paul wrote this letter to uh, the Christians in the city of Corinth, okay? And Paul had started a lot of churches. If you study the book of Acts, he went from city to city and would get a church started, get leaders raised up, and then he would move on to the next city. He was an apostle. And that's exactly what an apostle would do. And so uh, Corinth, though, this was a pretty crazy city, as we've clearly pointed out. Uh, it would be a very equivalent to our modern-day West Coast America. Uh, so I call it a hybrid of San Francisco and Las Vegas. You had, I mean, sin of every single kind that you could imagine. And so it was a crazy place. And the bad part was uh, some of the sin was creeping into the church. And really, uh, it was they were surrounded by it. And so, you know, we're not here trashing the Corinthian Christians, uh, but uh, they were struggling to fight and push back against some of the sin of the uh, area that they were surrounded by. And so Paul writes them this letter. He wrote them a total of three letters. We have copies of two of them. We have first and second Corinthians, but there was a previous letter that he refers to in here uh, that we don't have a copy of. So apparently the Lord, you know, didn't think that we needed it and that's fine. So praise God. We've got these two and we've been studying each week. We've covered a lot of ground, haven't we? We've seen things from their immaturity and their fighting to a lot of the sexual immorality of the day that they were facing uh, all the way to uh, how to take communion and all the way to if men are allowed to have have long hair and if women have to wear a scarf in church that was last week and i'm like who talks about that well anyway hey we're just covering the whole thing so you're getting the whole enchilada we're not skipping out any parts of it so tonight uh we're gonna be on chapter 12 of first corinthians who's excited I don't believe you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me just try that again, all right? Because uh, this is a Pentecostal spirit-filled church as we're going to study. Who's excited for 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Yeah. Woo yeah. All right. So this is going to be some good stuff. Now, I'm only going to be able to cover one chapter tonight. And uh, I like to do three at a time, but there's just no way that we're going to be able to cover more than one chapter tonight. And this is uh, really the chapter that outlines for us the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, being a Spirit-filled church, we believe in these. 
There is a large percentage of Christians that don't believe that these gifts of the Spirit are still in existence. Now, the, the greatest portion of, of Christianity throughout the world at this point uh, is the fastest growing segment is spirit-filled uh, churches ever since the early 1900s. And so a large portion of us believe these exist, but there is uh, denominations and different ones that think that these uh, cease to exist. That's called cessationalism, uh, meaning they have ceased to exist anymore. And really, chapter 13 and 14 will cover a little bit of that a little bit uh, further. But um, I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that God the Father is the same yesterday, today, and forever because they're three in one. So if Jesus doesn't change, why would God and the Holy Spirit change, right? They are do- doing what they've always done. And anyway, so we're going to look here at um, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, this is a portion of Scripture that is often misunderstood. Now, again, there's some churches and denominations would say that these aren't even a thing anymore. I mean, you know, that it's like a product that uh, went out of production. Like, you can't even get that if you wanted it. And uh, certainly, we don't agree with that. And then I also know some churches that are wildly excessive with some of these things and even manufacture experiences that probably aren't even, you know... Uh, real. (laughs) And so I've seen a little bit of everything on either side of this topic. And so my favorite thing to do with the Bible is to just read it and obey it and not get crazy on either side of it. I just want to, if it's in there, I want it. If it's not in there, I don't want it. Right. And so we're trying to be balanced on this. And I feel probably the best example of a person I know that flows in the gifts of the spirit and they aren't crazy and weird and wild and scaring everybody. And they're also balanced on the other end is Dr. Barclay. I I like the way that he flows in the gifts of the spirit. He's balanced with it. And so anyway, that's just a modern day example of someone I see that I believe does it the right way. All right. And so um, tonight we're going to get into chapter 12. I'm going to talk really fast like an auctioneer because that's all I can do. I've got like 26 minutes to really cover some ground here, all right? So this would normally be, I knew one pastor that took 30 weeks to cover this one chapter, but hey, I'm going to do it in 26 minutes, all right? So praise God. So follow along, buckle your seatbelts. It's going to go fast and it's coming at you hard, all right? Now I'm going I'm to be in the new King James tonight. Um, for the first part of this, normally I'm in the New Living Translation. I'm going to do the New King James because uh, that's I was more of what I was raised on, and so I just want to I want to uh, cover it in this because I'm more familiar with it. All right, here we go. Starting at verse one, Paul says, "Now concerning spiritual gifts or the gifts of the Spirit, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led." Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. All right, now I'm going to talk about these three verses then move on. But I heard one preacher point out, and he made a good point. There were two things that Paul told some of the churches that he went to, like, I don't want you to be ignorant on this topic. 
One of them is the gifts of the Spirit. The other topic that he told the church in Thessalonians, I don't want you to be ignorant about the rapture, right? And, of course, he didn't use the word rapture, but the catching away of the saints. And so he said, there's two things especially that I don't want Christians to be ignorant of, the gifts of the Spirit and the rapture. And I have found that if there's any two things that Christians are ignorant of, it's the gifts of the Spirit and the rapture, okay? (laughs) And so I just know so many people that they don't know anything about it. And, in fact, uh, the youth group asked me to talk to them next Wednesday about the Holy Spirit because so many people – if I said, hey, tell me about the Holy Spirit. Um, wait, he's the third dude, He's the third member of the Trinity, right? Okay, well, you know, it's not like an exclusive, you know, uh, uh, club, all right? But, but I mean, it, it, it's exclusive, yeah, there's only three. But it, it's not, uh, he, he's more than just the third guy, the tag along with Jesus and the Father. There's a lot more to who the Holy Spirit is. And, uh, and anyway, so many Christians, they just, they don't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And so Paul's like, I can't have you guys being ignorant about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, also, you notice here he says, you guys are Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. Now, they're using the word dumb there as in mute, not able to speak. But I think we could call them dumb because I would say any idol is dumb, right? They're stupid. You don't want to have an idol. But these guys in their culture, most of the Corinthian Christians, before they became Christians, they were idol worshipers. And so he's saying, you guys, you know, you, you, you you know what it's like to chase some spiritual experiences, right? You know, there's some people these days, you come across a hippie or something, and what do you believe? Man, I'm just spiritual, man. I just don't belong to any, you know what I mean? Spiritual. And, you know, there, so there's people that, you know, they're all about spiritual experiences. Well, for the Corinthians, they come to Jesus and get saved, and they've got no problem at all seeking out a spiritual experience. They're like, yeah, we want something like this. But, of course, they got pretty excessive, which, again, that will get covered in chapter 14 when we get to that a little bit. Now, verse 3, Brother Kenneth Hagin pointed out something that has steered me very well with this verse. He points out that uh, Paul says here that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And so there's no way that a born-again Christian that has the Spirit of God in them is going to curse the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, And also, uh, what's he say here? That no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, somebody that's not a Christian, I mean, yeah, they could just, they could utter that phrase. But I'm talking about you in your heart sincerely use the phrase, sincerely, Jesus Christ is Lord. You can only sincerely say that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, if you want to take it a step further... Brother Hagen, I had one of his classes in, in Bible college on uh, on the gifts of the Spirit, and he pointed out right here that you now this may some of you it's going to you know go way over your head. Some of you you know you're tracking what I'm bagging here, but check it out. Uh, a demon possessed person, if they are possessed, they cannot say Jesus Christ is Lord. They can't do it, and uh, and and so that's that's kind of a, a test that Brother Hagen would use if he was like, okay, is something going on here? Hey, can you tell me that Jesus Christ is Lord? And I tell you right now, you know, the people that I've come across that have been demon-possessed, they cannot say that phrase because the devil is not going to speak through them and admit that Jesus Christ is Lord. They'll go nuts, and I've seen it several times 
And, you know, uh, we believe in casting out devils if the occasion arises. And we have done that. Amen. But anyway, uh, again, there's balance to that because then some people think that everybody everywhere, you know, oh, man, that tree out there, the leaves are falling too early. It must have a devil in it. No, 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 no. Calm down. All right. Uh, calm down. Pump the brakes on some of this. But anyway, uh, but that's just something that I, uh, you know, that I have uh, seen in, in life. All right. Let's get to verses four through seven. Are we moving fast? We're going fast here, right? Verses 4 through 7. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And so what's Paul doing here? He's calling for unity because there seems to be a continuous problem with the Corinthians about not having unity. Again, they were picking which team they were on. Well, I'm on, I, I listen to Peter. I know you guys like Paul's preaching, but I'm on team Peter. And another group of the Christians, they like to preach named Apollos. And so, you know, these guys were very prone to getting into arguments and starting little groups and splitting up. And so he's saying, hey, yes, you may all have a different gift, but it comes from the same spirit, right? All right, so you don't have to fight over whose gift is better. There's differences of ministries, but it's, it's all from the same Lord. We're serving the same Lord here, so don't, you know, puff yourself up and, and look down on somebody because they don't have the same gift as you. And then verse 7, he says, This manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Why? For the profit of all. You don't have a gift of the Spirit. Maybe God's given you the gift of prophecy. Maybe God's given you the gift of the word of knowledge or the working of miracles. We're going to look at these in a minute. But that's not so you can look really cool and get you know more followers on Instagram, right? Come on. No. Uh, that why would God give you the, a gift of the Spirit to be used? So you can profit everybody else and help everybody else. Do you, do you get that? It's not so you can look cool. It's so you can help people and point them to Jesus. That's what we do. Why, why do we even preach? Why do we even minister? Uh, because we love Jesus and we love people. And if you've got a different reason for wanting to be in ministry than those two things, you are not going to make it. I know some, you know, people come up, man, I want to preach. I want to, I want to, uh, that would be so cool to get up there in front of all those people. I'm like, you've got, you know, it's not going to work for you. Because if your heart is anything other than bringing glory to God and helping people, you're in the wrong business. If you just want to talk in front of people, get into politics or something. I don't know. Go do something else. But, but that, that's not why we do ministry. We do it to bring glory to God and to help his people. And that's why he gives the gifts of the spirit. All right, here we go. We're going to get into these gifts right here. Verses eight through 10. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit listed here in first Corinthians chapter 12. All right. So here we go. Verse eight for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. 
All right. And so that's the nine gifts of the spirit. And, you, you know, just reading that list, you're probably like, okay, cool. What, what in the world does that even mean? Well, we're going to break down what these gifts are. All right. And so if you're a note taker, which I know a lot of you are, uh, praise God, that's good. You need to be. Um, what we're going to do is the nine gifts, we break them down into three different categories. Okay. Uh, three categories of three that, because uh, a lot of them kind of work together hand in hand, they're similar to each other. And so, uh, three of the gifts we call revelation gifts. Three of them we call revelation gifts because they reveal something that is not seen. All right. So three revelation gifts. Those three gifts are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. You guys are getting like a crash college course tonight on the gifts of the spirit. We're getting into this. So these are three revelation gifts. They reveal something. That's the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. Then we've got three gifts that we call the power gifts because they make something powerful and miraculous happen. Three power gifts. The first one is what we would call special faith. Now, your King James Bible, like I just read out of, we'll just call it faith, but I'll explain later why we specifically want to call it special faith. So the three power gifts are special faith, the working of miracles, which is awesome, and the gifts of healings. So these three power gifts are the special faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healing, and then healings. And then we've got three vocal gifts where God's using you to speak something out. Three vocal gifts. That's prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Prophecy, tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. How many people wish I would have made a PowerPoint for you tonight? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I see you guys out there struggling right now. All right. If you, if you want some, uh, if you hit me up later, if you want me to like email this to you or something, because I see everybody doing this and I, you know, the one night I don't give you a PowerPoint. All right. So, uh, anyway, those are the three vocal gifts, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now, remember Paul said he didn't want us to be ignorant about these gifts. And so many people that I've seen, they try to explain the gifts of the Spirit. They're like, yeah, they're still real. But what they do is they try to take the supernatural element out of it and say, no, there's nothing like super spiritual about it. You can explain this, you know. So this one just means that you're really good at giving advice. This one means that, you know, this applies to doctors because they heal people through their medicine. And, and praise God, doctors heal people through their medicine. I'm grateful for that. But that's not the gift of the Spirit that we're talking about here. And so a lot of people will take the gifts of the Spirit and try to, as much as possible, make them a natural thing that they can explain with their mind. And you just better know this now. There are angles and things about God that you cannot explain with your natural mind. And don't try to take something that's spiritual and just turn it into some natural thing. And yeah, I know it's the gift of wisdom. That just means that you're smart. No, it's deeper than that. And it means more than that. All right. And so what we're going to do here is I'm going to talk to you about each of the nine gifts and try to explain them very quickly. All right. So the first one we'll discuss is the word of wisdom. That's the first one listed there, the word of wisdom. And so this gift is the one that's most often, I would say, confused with prophecy. Now, a lot of people, in fact, most people 
they think that prophecy just simply means predicting the future. And, you know, oh, that guy must be a prophet. I mean, he called that. He said that they were going to win the Super Bowl, and they did. He's a prophet. No, that prophecy is not just predicting the future, but we'll get to that anyway. None of these gifts are just predicting the future. Um, a word of wisdom, all right, a word of wisdom will tell you about something in your future and give you advice on how to handle it. So maybe, you know, uh, God's using me in this gift, all right, I, I'm giving it, this is hypothetical. I'm not saying this, this is just hypothetical. We all with me? All right. And so maybe God will tell me something like, hey, you know, Nick, I, the Lord's showing me that there's something coming up with your job and I, you just need to really... Uh, you know, be extra cautious tonight. I, I, the Lord's warning me that maybe there's danger or something there tonight. And so what would that be doing? That'd be giving him a word of wisdom about something in the future. And it may not give every single detail, like, you know, a train's going to go out out of control down at Santa Fe and run you over. I don't know, but, but whatever it is, but the Lord's telling me in my spirit, warn him and I'm giving him wisdom. Then it's up to him on if he's going to, you know, listen to that and obey it. But at least I know that I did what the Lord told me to do. So a word of wisdom would be the Lord showing me something about the future that I could help somebody else out with. And again, a lot of people think that that's just, well, yeah, anybody can, uh, you know, have wisdom. Uh, This is not just natural, regular wisdom. Because as I'll show you in a minute, I think it's verse 11, but it says each of these gifts, they're only given out as the Holy Spirit chooses. So you can't just say, ooh, let me look at this list. I think that I want special faith and prophecy. Those, I'm just going to pick those two. You don't get to choose. The Spirit chooses who gets them. And I mean, I've heard of places, you know, getting, okay, we're going to give a gift to the Spirit class. Come and sign up for which one you want. I'm like, no, it doesn't work that way. You don't get to choose. If it was, I'd pick all nine of them, man. That'd be sweet. But, you know, Jesus is the only one that had the spirit without measure, uh, as uh, the gospel tells us. So Jesus could flow in all nine. Chances are you can't. But praise God that you're going to be able to flow in, you know, one or more of them, you know, potentially. So anyway, the word of wisdom is more than just being wise or giving good advice. Because anybody can obtain wisdom. You know that, right? If you're foolish right now, you don't have to stay that way. You can actually become wise. You can change that by your own choice. Well, how? Well, the book of Proverbs tells us all over the place that a person that fears the Lord is wise. A person that will study the word is wise. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, if you need wisdom, ask God and he will give it to you. So anybody can straight up get what we would call general wisdom, but the word of wisdom That's only something that the Holy Spirit can give to you. And if we could each just choose that, hey, I want that, then we would all choose that every single day. But it's only when and how the Spirit chooses, all right? The next one is the word of knowledge. So the word of wisdom sees something in the future. The word of knowledge sees something in the past or in the present, now, I've, uh, this is an incredible gift that I've seen, you know, God use people in where, you know, maybe like you got someone that's just really not acting like themselves and maybe the word of knowledge will come to one of us and say they're acting that way because they just had this happen. You know, they just lost, you know, they just had a big family blow up. They just had something really bad happen on the job and no one told you that, 
but the Spirit revealed it to you, that would be a word of knowledge. You have knowledge of something spiritually that you didn't actually know about, right? And so I've seen this many times where there is a word of knowledge. And and why is this useful? That'll tell us how to help you out, how to minister to you and say, you know what, let's not get mad at them. Let's understand that they've, they're going through something and we're going to help them out. So that's a word of knowledge. It'll tell us something about the past or the present. And then there's the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. Now, this gift would give you insight into the spiritual world. Now, um, I realize not everybody believes that there's a spiritual world. And I'm not crazy about it because I know some people that are like super weird about this type of thing. <laughs> super weird. In fact, I moved out when we moved out here to Barstow. I, met, I mean, I met some crazy California people for the first while. So did my parents. I knew weird people in Indiana, but I mean, we met people out here that are like, there's a portal by that mountain out there, man, and I go do spiritual warfare with the devil. I'm serious. One guy told me I was out in the desert, and the prophet James appeared to me, or the apostle James, Jesus' half-brother. He was 90 feet tall and had a golden baseball hat on. And I'm like, what? You know, just weird stuff. And, I, and I'm like, no, no, no. But, uh, but, there is, but we do know that just because there's weirdos, that doesn't negate the fact that there is a there is an unseen world that does exist, you know, and I mean, the New Testament tells us that the weapons of our warfare, there's a warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty for pulling down strongholds. And and I mean, there's so many New Testament verses that we could go to that would tell us that, yes, there is an unseen spiritual world where uh, if you have the discerning of spirits, you would sometimes see some of these things, like angels and things of that nature. And I think, I mean, I think that's really cool. But it would also, the discerning of spirits could help you discern whether something was of the Lord or not. Now, uh, we won't go there tonight, but in the book of Acts, uh, the apostle Paul, uh, every day, him and Silas, they're in one city, and there's this, this little girl, that, this teenage girl, I would guess, that's standing up, and ooh, Paul and Silas, these men are servants of the Most High God. Everyone ought to come listen to them. And, every, and on the surface, it sounds like, oh, she's, you know, she's supporting them, but Paul knew, no, no. He discerned that's the devil speaking through that girl, trying to make a mockery of us. And so Paul went on with it for days. And it's Acts chapter 16. And, and, and finally one day he looks over and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of this girl. And she's, you know, she's the devil's cast out of her. And she was a little fortune teller. And so her, her owners or her masters got mad because, well, they just lost some income. She can't tell, you know, she can't do this anymore. So Paul and Silas get beaten and thrown in jail. And if you know Acts chapter 16, uh, at the midnight hour, they're singing and praising God. And there's an earthquake and they get busted out of the prison. But what happened in this story that I just shared out of Acts 16, Paul discerned that, wait a minute, I know she's saying the right thing, but it's got the wrong spirit behind it. Remember in 2007, when I first moved out here, there was a, a national revival going on, and there was this guy that was all famous and all over the news all of a sudden, and everyone's like, oh, yay, wow, we should all listen to him. He's got this going on. And my parents and I, we watched it, and we we're like, oh, something on the end. He may be saying the right words, but something just doesn't feel right about that. And I believe it was the discerning of spirits. Well, it, it, it did turn out that the man was a, 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 
a quack. He was a pedophile, and he was cheating on his wife and all sorts of stuff. And he was not of God, but it fooled a whole lot of people. And so it's important that we listen to the Spirit of God on the inside of us, all right? I got to keep moving for the sake of time. The next gift I'm going to talk about is faith or special faith. Now, we insert the word special here. Uh, The King James only says the gift of faith. Some of the other translations will actually say special faith or um, something else. But anyway, um, why do we insert that word? Because if you just think, well, I don't have the gift of faith, so I guess I can't pray and get prayers answered because God didn't give me the gift of faith. No, this is a separate thing. Every Christian has faith. Some have much stronger faith than others. But at the same time, every Christian has faith. You couldn't even be a Christian without faith. Because it takes faith to believe that Jesus is real. It's by faith that we are saved through grace, right? And so, uh, absolutely, every Christian has the measure of faith. Every Christian has some level of faith. Because you've got to have faith to even believe that God's real because you cannot see him. But there is uh, an endowment, a special gift of faith that the Holy Spirit can put on you in a momentary situation. And so this isn't a thing that you just, and again, any of these gifts of the Spirit, you don't have the magical key to just turn them off and on whenever you want. And like, you know what, I think today I'm just going to turn on the gift of prophecy because I've got it. No, it will only happen when the Holy Spirit decides to work it through you that at that moment or that day. This is not just, eh, I don't want to do it today, or I do want to do it. It's not an off and on switch. It's as the Holy Spirit chooses to use you. But in this gift of special faith, this is a temporary boost of faith that the Holy Spirit can put on somebody, I would say sometimes in an emergency situation, where in your head you're like, I don't even know how this is going to happen. But the Holy Spirit can all of a sudden just, boom, give you what I would call a turbocharge, a rocket boost of faith, where all of a sudden you're like, no, in the name of Jesus, we're going to see. And, you know, there's instances of people being raised from the dead, you know. And again, if you could just do this anytime you wanted to, then you could just go raise the dead anytime you wanted to. But you can't. It's as the Spirit chooses. When I was three and a half, and I share this story, when I was three and a half, I was in the hospital with leukemia, right? So I'm in there, Children's Hospital, Indianapolis, crippled, you know, it's going bad. On one particular day, things were really rough, all right? They had needles in both arms, you know, and just, they were, and I was not doing well. And so my dad's best friend, Gary, comes to the hospital. A lot of you have heard the story I'm sharing, but some of you haven't. So uh, it's a gift, the gift of special faith was an operation. And so my dad's like, I don't want to see my kids screaming and crying on that bed anymore. And so they're like, no, we need more blood. We've got to poke him. We've got to get more blood. And, and I'm just screaming and fussing. And, and I mean, imagine if you're a parent, your three and a half year old has leukemia and they're jabbing every end and he's screaming and crying and it, it, it was awful. I didn't like it. It was painful. And so Gary shows up at just the right moment. And, and, and my dad's like, I believe that he's coming out of this healed in Jesus' name. But I just don't want to see him suffering in pain until that happens. And so Gary at that moment says, you know what? I have got faith right now that we can lay hands on him. And he will feel no more pain throughout the whole rest of this time. And according to Matthew 18, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am right there in the midst of them. 
And so Gary laid hands on me in Indianapolis, Indiana at Riley Children's Hospital. And he said, I believe in the name of Jesus that he will not feel any more pain the whole rest of this time. And there was a gift of special faith, I believe, in operation. And the Lord is my witness for the whole rest of that time and even years to come. I did not feel a single needle touch my body. I was in a children's hall. They were giving me spinal taps, jabbing this thing up my spine, and I've still got the scars to prove it right here. I'm not going to lift my shirt, but at the same time, they're there, and I've got the scars on my back to this day, but I didn't feel a thing. There's kids all around me screaming and crying, no, no, and I'm sitting there. They're jabbing me, poking me, roughing me up, and I'm, I, I didn't feel a thing. Not a thing for years. And I even after I was healed, they had to keep sending me back and drawing blood and checking my blood all the way till I was 18 years old. But for several years uh, after this experience, I didn't feel a single shred of any pain. And, you know, I, it was just incredible. But I believe it was the gift of special faith. All right. The next gift is the gift of gifts of healings. All right. It's all plural there. But remember, these gifts, they're supernatural. You cannot explain them through your natural uh, mind. And so the gift of healing is when God heals you and it has nothing to do with a doctor or medicine, all right? We believe in doctors and medicine, right? That's why I was at a children's hospital, right? I'm, I'm all for that. But there are times when the Lord just, boom, he heals you and there was nothing else involved. It was just a touch from the Holy Spirit here. And so uh, when we pray for healing... And the gift of healing is not in effect. God will still heal people. So sometimes you guys come up and want prayer for healing, and boom, you get it right there. Especially newer Christians really get this a lot. But there's a, a lot of times you come up for prayer, and we pray for healing, and you don't instantly get it. What does that mean, that God's not healing you? No. God's still, the healing is working in your body, but you're going to have to use your faith for a little bit. You're going to have to stand on the word. You're going to have to trust God for a little while. And so I believe that sometimes God will use the gifts of instant miraculous healing a lot of times for brand new believers, which is what I see a lot, uh, because they don't, man, they don't have much faith for, you know, anything right now. They're just babies getting, you know, getting started. So, but anyway, uh, the gifts of healings is just a, an instant miraculous healing, and it's awesome. Then there's the working of miracles. The working of miracles. And so the gift of faith is so you know, you can receive a miracle. The working of miracles is so that you can work a miracle. And, you know, do miracles still happen? Absolutely. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so miracles still happen. Well, what's a miracle? Uh, well, a miracle is an event that is not explainable by natural or scientific laws. And we use this word very loosely. You know, your teenager gets up before 8 o'clock on a Saturday. It's a miracle. Oh. Well, yeah, in, in one sense, yes, it's a miracle. But really, in the real sense, no, that's not a miracle. It didn't break the law, you know, scientific laws. Uh, it's just a cool thing that happened. But so sometimes we kind of throw the word miracle around a little loosely. But when a real miracle takes place, the Red Sea gets parted, right? Jesus walks on water. Jesus, you know, uh, you lay hands on someone. And I mean, there's miracles that still happen. And, uh, and during a miracle, the laws of nature are temporarily suspended. And uh, anyway, that's the working of miracles. Uh, again, this is, I'm just hitting the highlights here. Then there's the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. 
Now, the Greek word, New Testament, Greek word for prophecy means to speak for another. And so when somebody's prophesying, it means that they're speaking some words for God. The Lord told them, hey, I need you to say this. And they're going to say what the Lord told them to say. And in fact, I believe Paul says later on that, man, you love and prophesy. These are gifts that, I mean, everybody should cover these gifts. Everybody should want to be able to prophesy. And again, I say that because prophecy is not what most people have told you it is. And I even know people to this day that they want to go around and prophesy and tell everybody stuff. And they think that it's, they're being a fortune teller or predicting the future. That is not the New Testament gift of prophecy. Write this down uh, for the sake of time. 1 Corinthians 14.3. 1 Corinthians 14.3. At least in the New Living Translation, it says, But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. Or the King James says, speaks unto them exhortation and comfort. But So the New Testament gift of prophecy that we're talking about here, I'm not talking about someone that is an actual prophet, you know, like maybe someone like Dr. Barclay, but the gift of prophecy that would be great for you to flow in, it means that you are strengthening someone, encouraging them, and comforting them. According to 1 Corinthians 14, 3, that would be New Testament prophecy. And I think that that's a great thing for every single one of us to be able to flow in, to strengthen someone with words from God, encourage them, and comfort them. But so many people have it so twisted, like, man, the Lord told me what a rat you are, that you're, you're, you're wicked and you're wrong, and he's mad at you, and he's going to get you. So I just wanted to prophesy to you, be blessed. What? <laughs> no. And I, you know, I get these stories from people, but, but no, that is not the New Testament gift of prophecy. And so in the Old Testament, God would speak the future through a lot of his prophets and, and, and praise God for that. And even in, in some New Testament stuff. But in the New Testament, I don't need to go to the prophet every day to find out what I'm supposed to do. Why? The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. Again, when I first moved to Barstow, I met some weird people over here. But when I first moved here, I was out one night and I met, a, I met another Christian in town. He's like, man, I don't do anything any day until I meet up with my prophet and he tells me what I'm supposed to do that day. This guy was a pastor and his prophet was a 15 year old boy. And I'm like, okay. So anyway, uh, so he's like, no, man, I don't, I don't leave the house until I get on the phone with my prophet. And he tells me what I'm supposed to. I'm like, you've got the Holy spirit and the Bible. I don't need a prophet to tell me to get out of bed and go to work and to, you know, get the kids ready. I don't, I, there's some things that, one, are just common sense. You know, you don't need to pray about, do I need to get up and go to work today? Don't even pray about it. Just go, okay? Just go. Just go. Do I need to be nice to my wife today? Yes, you do. Just do it, okay? Just just do it, all right? Um, but but listen, some people, uh, they, they take this so extreme, and in my heart, I've got the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and yeah, I praise God that if there's a gift of prophecy that wants to manifest, but... Listen, I've got the Holy Spirit and the Bible on the inside of me. I don't need to every day, oh, man, should I, uh, should I go deposit my paycheck? Uh, let me go ask the prophet. No, you don't need stuff like that, all right? All right, then there is the gift of tongues. Man, I'm already out of time, but we've got to get through this. Okay, the gift of tongues. Now, the gift of tongues is one of the most confused gifts of the nine. And we'll cover this in greater length in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But this gift of tongues, right, so... 
as a church, we, we believe that being baptized in the Holy Spirit and receiving uh, the baptism of the Spirit and being able to pray in other tongues, that's available to every Christian that wants it. All right, so uh, there, you know, the scripture teaches us even in Acts chapter one that there is a there's a being baptized in water, which we saw in the Gospels, and then Jesus talked about a baptism in the Holy Spirit, being baptized with tongues and fire, and that experience didn't happen until Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost, right? And so, or chapter three, and so, uh, so that happened, and every time in the New Testament when somebody received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they began to speak in other tongues, and so we believe that. So what I'm trying to say is this. <laughs> There's you privately praying in tongues to God. That's available to you. Then there's a gift of tongues for the public setting and like a church service. And so maybe around here you've heard somebody all of a sudden speaking in tongues really loud. Like it's a message for everybody. That's the gift of tongues. That is separate from me being at home, kneeling down, praying in the spirit and and, and the Lord using me in that way. And, and, and that's that's my prayer language. That's me praying in tongues on my own. That's my private baptism in the Holy Spirit. But the public gift of tongues or diverse tongues, as it says in here, listen, that's in a public setting. Not, not everybody gets to do that, only as the Spirit wills. Now, again, I'm praying in my own, you know, and praying in tongues on my own, just me and God. That's not for you all to hear. That's a different thing. But if I'm trying to give a message in tongues to the whole church, which the Corinthians did a lot, then that's going to be by the Spirit of God at that moment. And you'll see later on, there's got to be someone there that can interpret that public message to others. All right? And so uh, that brings us to the gift of the interpretation of tongues. Now, it's pretty obvious what this gift is. That is, God has maybe someone over here speak out loud, really loud in tongues, and then someone over here is like, wait, okay, I, the Spirit's tell me what he's saying. And then they give us all the interpretation of what that message in tongues was. I heard a really neat story, as I, I'm going to probably wind down here, but Pastor Willie George out of Tulsa told a story about one Sunday morning, they were in their church service, and, and someone in the congregation got up, and they had started speaking in tongues loud. They were being used in the public gift of tongues. And so Pastor Willie George, he's like, okay, yeah, the Lord's telling me what that means. And so he had the interpretation, and he told the whole crowd, okay, the Lord's saying such and such, such and such. And, and he didn't think much more about it, but he went on with his message. And as he was standing at the door shaking hands that day, he noticed that there was a visitor there. And, uh, and the guy comes up and shakes his hand. This man was from a remote region of Africa, and he was visiting people in Tulsa. And he's like, when have you ever been to the village of, and he, he, you know, he named this little village, and he's like, I've never been to that village. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, stop. No, seriously. When did you ever go to this little village over here? And he's like, I've never been there. He's like, then this guy's mind was like blown. He's like, wait a minute. That guy over there stood up, and he gave a whole speech in this language from this African tribe, and then you got up and repeated everything he said in English to everybody. You, you, you don't fool with me. I know that you've been there. And he's like, no. What happened was this man, the tongues that he was speaking in, did happen to be whatever this African, you know, village spoke. And then 
Pastor Willie George gave the interpretation perfectly word for word in English. And it says these gifts are to be used as a sign to unbelievers. They're, they're to strengthen us as Christians, but they can be used as a sign to unbelievers. This man at that point wasn't a born-again Christian, but he was like, wow, I believe now. <laughs> Any doubts I had, I believe. There's no way that he could have known that very rare and distinct language from this remote. No, hardly anybody in the world speaks that language. So what happened? That was the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. So what am I saying? These gifts, they are real. They are for today. They've got to be used within the guidelines of scripture, but they're real and they're for today. And it's an exciting thing for us to study. And I I did not even make it as far as I thought I would tonight, but that was a very quick overview of the nine gifts of the spirit. And I guess we'll have to pick up more next time when we're together. All right. So anyway, praise God who learned a little bit tonight. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together. Praise the Lord. Wow. Seriously thought we'd get further than that. (laughs) All right, praise the Lord. Well, the Lord's good, and I'm so glad that uh, we're studying these scriptures here because we've talked about a lot of things uh, just by reading the Bible that uh, that that people don't you know get to talk about that much. And the best part is when you're just reading straight out of the scripture and I say something that offends you, I can say, hey, I, I didn't do that. It was just the Bible, right? Amen. All right, let's have our prayer team come on up. Praise the Lord. Well, as we wind things down, we've gone a little bit over time once again here, but if you need prayer for anything tonight, we'd love to pray for you and uh, hook up our faith with you. Um, but so let's have Josh lead us in one final worship song here. And if you don't need prayer, just stand there and worship the Lord for a few minutes. Amen. Let's go. Your promise still stands. And great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never fail me. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence that you never fail me. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again. I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe. I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe I'll see you do it again. I'll see you do it again.
right, everybody. Well, we will go ahead and close out tonight. Anybody learn anything tonight as we went through all that? Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to remind the young adults, ages 18 to 30, that Friday night at Nick and Sabrina's house, we're going to be getting together celebrating peanut butter jelly day. Amen. It's peanut butter jelly time. Anyway, all right, so it's going to be a good time. And uh, and Saturday is the men's meeting at 9 and the church work day at 11. Yeah. Woo. So be here for that. It's going to be an awesome time together. Amen. Let's go ahead and close out in prayer, and then we will speak some words of faith over our city tonight. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for what we've seen in your word. And, Lord, we want to follow you the best that we can. And, God, I know that you want us to be able to to, uh, be used in some of these gifts of the Spirit so we can bless other people and help other people, Lord, and bring glory to you. So help us to be open and, and, and submitted to you, Lord, in all these things. And we thank you for what we're studying in the scripture. And we know that we're growing because of it. We love you. And we ask you to use us this week to share your love with everybody we come into contact with, because we know you're coming soon, Jesus, and we want to be ready. We love you and we praise you in Jesus name. Can someone say amen? All right, let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you Saturday.